Today's scripture reading is from 1 Peter 3, 13 through 17. It's from the New International Version this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Good morning, Trinity Church. Thanks for being here this morning. So good to see you. Um, it's a blessing to be able to sing together and worship our God together. And... Uh, to see these chairs filled this morning. Thanks for being here. Um, you know, I told the first service when we gathered at nine this morning, we sang these uh, songs just proclaiming the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And specifically that last one, asking the question, who is worthy, is he worthy? And that, that scene of revelation. And I, I don't know about you all, but I cannot sing that song without tears in my eyes and almost getting choked up over it because it just... It's such a beautiful picture of what's going to be in heaven one day. And I thought about this this morning for the first time. I thought, if I'm getting choked up singing this now, what's it going to be like in heaven when we're in the presence of the Lord Jesus and singing, He is worthy? Oh, I, don't, I don't think anything's going to come out of my throat. And we look forward to that day, and that is our hope. We sang our theme song again this morning, Jesus Christ, our living hope. He is our hope. So I, I'm glad that you're here this morning. And I hope that you are here ready to receive from him, ready to learn from him as we go to his word. And I just want to give you one other a reminder of praise, just an announcement of praise before we go to prayer and go to the word. I got a, uh, a Facebook message on Friday from uh, Kathleen and Daniel Harrison. Today's our missions moment. We heard about Honduras and the Vincents there. The, uh, the Harrisons are missionaries of Trinity in Austria and... Uh, faithfully planting and serving a little church there in their hometown. And they started on Thursday nights a prayer group. We've kind of mentioned that. Some of you have been praying about that and gathering people in. And uh, this Thursday night, one of those attendees gave his life to Jesus Christ. So praise the Lord for that. We love hearing those stories. His name is Klaus, very German name, very fitting. He's in his mid-50s. And for the first time, he gave his life to Jesus. So be praying for Klaus as you remember him. Pray for the Harrisons as they disciple him. Uh, just wonderful to know that there's somebody else in the kingdom, one other person that's going to be there in the presence of Jesus when we sing, he is worthy. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him to guide us in his word today. Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for this, this privilege that we have to join our voices, unite our hearts, and to sing your praise I thank you for these songs that, 
that proclaim the truth about you and help us proclaim it and say it and sing it together. And Lord, I pray that what we are doing here this morning is a sweet sound to your ear as we respond to you for what you've done for us. And Lord, as we go to your word, now I pray to be the same thing as just a continuation of that worship, of that response to you as we hear from your word, hear the truth about you and hear this call, this, this challenge to how we live our lives for you here and now. And, and I pray that our worship would be to, to act on that, to, to respond to that, live that out. So Lord, help us with that. I pray that you'd guard my words, help me to accurately communicate what you want us to hear this morning, and, and by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the power of your living word, do the work in us that we need this morning. Whatever it is that you want to rearrange in our hearts and our minds to, to help us think like you and become more like you and live fully for you, do that work in us, we pray, as we engage with your word. And we will give you all the glory and the praise that you alone deserve, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever dreamed that you showed up for an important event and suddenly realized you were completely unprepared for that event? It's actually one of the most common dream sequences that people have is that unpreparedness. So, for instance, uh, I think we got some students here. So you're a student and you show up for class and suddenly you realize there's an exam that you forgot about and you didn't prepare for, and you have to take this exam. Okay, it's, that's a, a dream scenario for some people. Or maybe it's a businessman who dreams that he is in a meeting and suddenly he's called on to make this presentation and he totally forgot. He doesn't, has nothing ready. Or, or maybe a wife who dreams that she has a house full of company and she goes into her kitchen, she's making dinner for everybody and realizes she didn't get any of the ingredients she needs for her, her recipe. Or a preacher who dreams that he stands up in the pulpit and forgot to prepare a sermon for that day. Believe me, I have had that dream. This morning is not that dream. You guys are really here, right? This is real. This is not a dream. It's that dream, and the dream experts tell us we have these dreams because they're things that are important to us, and we want to make sure we are prepared for them, and so we, this dream kind of scares us into getting prepared. That, that's the psychology, apparently, behind it. But the idea is we feel like we want and need to be prepared for these things. They're important to us. And in our passage this morning, Peter is going to identify some things that we need to be prepared for things that are important in our Christian lives and in our walk with the Lord Jesus. And when he tells us to be prepared, which is the title of our message today, it's not for an exam, it's not for a presentation, it's not even for a sermon. Peter is telling us and encouraging us to be prepared to live out our faith, to defend our faith, to give a reason for our faith when it's challenged, when we are questioned, when we might even be ridiculed for what we believe. He wants us to be prepared for that reality, that it's going to come, there will be a time, there will be occasions in your life when you suffer, even when you do good. When you choose the right thing, you obey God, and you suffer because of it. Peter says, we need to be prepared for that, because it's going to happen. 
1 Peter 3.15 is in our passage today, probably one of the most familiar verses in this whole letter of 1 Peter. And it says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See how Peter's tying right back in to our theme of living hope. And he's saying, you need to be ready to tell other people about your hope. So, for instance, bring this right into the real, real world. Maybe someone in your neighborhood loses a loved one, and you end up having a conversation. Just walk in along the street, you stop and have a conversation. You hear this, and this person, you, you hear the hopelessness, the questions. Do you have an answer? Do you have a word for that person to share your hope even in a situation where there's death? Peter wants us to be ready for that. Remember, we've, we've said that the theme for the, the whole series here in First Peter, we're calling it living hope, because right from the beginning, Peter told us about our salvation, the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. But it's not just hope for the future. This is not just, well, I, I, I got my insurance, and one day I'll be in heaven. That's a good thing. It's not just that hope. Peter's talking about hope for the here and the now, for the way we live our lives right now on earth. Living, breathing hope. That's our passage again today. So turn, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, turn that, open that in your phone or electronic device, whatever you have, follow along. These few verses in 1 Peter 3. And the approach is, is pretty simple here. Peter gives us a key principle, and we're going to develop that one principle in verses 13 to 17 today. And then he's going to move from that principle to show us an example of how that's lived out in the life of Jesus then we'll get to that next week. That's verses 18 to 20, finishing chapter 3. And I hope you'll check in for that next week because it's so vital that we see how this principle is exemplified in Jesus Christ himself. So here's the key principle for this morning. The right response to undeserved suffering results in blessing. In other words, when we choose to respond in the right way, the God's way, to unjust or undeserved suffering in our lives, that results in, it brings about a blessing from God. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that blessing is. We'll unpack this. But he starts with a question in verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? So it's almost like a rhetorical question here. and We want to say, well, if we're doing good, if we're doing the right thing, then nobody's going to harm us for that. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, right, if, if, if we choose to do good, if we choose to be kind to other people and obey the law and have peace in our relationships, a lot of the things that Peter's been talking about in this chapter already, then surely others will respond to that and love us and accept us and be kind to us. Well, maybe a lot of the time, but not always. And that's what... Peter is going to talk about, especially when it comes to your faith, when it comes to living God's way, that there will be times when that ends, ends up in and lands you in difficulty, suffering. So think about some examples. Ask Joseph. Joseph resisted the sexual advances of Potiphar's wife. He did the right thing and he landed in prison. Think about David. David served King Saul. 
He played instruments for him. He led his armies for him. He defeated the enemies in battle, all for King Saul. And King Saul ended up trying to take his life, chasing him down. David spent years running from Saul, hiding out in caves because he'd done the right thing. Or what about Daniel? Ask him, simply praying to God, got him thrown into a lion's den. Or if it's not just biblical characters, think about it in, in the present tense. Our missionaries who were serving last year in South Africa, Marius and Jody Dietlefs, remember praying for them. The government decided not to renew her visa. And so all of a sudden, last summer, they had to leave the country. They had to leave their ministry, leave their calling, leave their home, leave their friends, and come back here to the U.S. They were serving God. They were doing the right thing, and yet bad things happened to them. Sometimes you can do good, and hard things will still happen to you. And so Peter acknowledges this. So he really kind of answers his own question. Verse 14, he says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. He says, okay, sometimes you are going to suffer for what's right, but there's a blessing in that. So the realization is that we suffer for doing good. Sometimes we suffer while we're doing good. Sometimes it's because that very goodness rubs someone the wrong way. You know, the, the men of Trinity have been completing a study. Just in the next couple of weeks, we'll be completing a study of Tim Keller's book on the Proverbs and the wisdom literature. And we just put a picture of it here. It's called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. And we've gone through this daily devotional through this year together. And just this past week on Wednesday, there was a devotional based on Proverbs 29.10. So we'll put that on the screen as well. Let's let you see this. The bloodthirsty hate a person of integrity and seek to kill the upright. <laughs> I mean, wow, that, that is severe. The, the writer of Proverbs is saying, if you are an upright in person of integrity, it's going to bring trouble. And Keller says this about it. It says, simply living the way you should live can expose dishonesty in the office, racism in the neighborhood, gossip in your social circle, corruption in your government office. Just living with integrity will irritate many people. This is why simple goodness will attract hostility, just because it is good. You know, we sang this morning songs about how God's pervaded the darkness and sin of this world. And we have to remember that we live in that darkness. That's why we're called to be light in the darkness. And sometimes when we shine the light, when we do good, the darkness is going to react. If you live your life for Christ, it's bound to make somebody else feel guilty, and they're going to take it out on you. That happens. But Peter says, even if that happens, even if we suffer for doing good, it's a blessing. So, okay, wait a minute. Okay, we can do this, Peter, but how in the world is this a blessing? Well, Peter tells us, and he's able to tell us because he experienced it himself. Remember when the apostles, which included Peter, early on, soon after Jesus' ascension, they go into the temple and they begin to, to perform miracles, they begin to teach, and they're arrested and thrown in jail, and God gets them out of jail, and they're arrested again, brought in before the religious leaders there, and 
They tell them, no, you, no longer, you can't do this. You cannot preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They threaten them and they flog them. They beat them for doing what God told them to do. And I love this verse. It's so, so extraordinary. Acts 5.41. This is what happened after they got flogged. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So to be blessed for suffering doesn't mean, oh, it's going to feel good. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're going to get some kind of reward for it. Maybe God will bring a reward of some kind down the road, but in the moment, the blessing is that we're privileged to suffer for his name. It's an honor. We're counted worthy. That's what the apostles were describing there. It's an honor to, be, to suffer for doing the right thing despite those consequences. So Peter goes on in this passage now to give us four appropriate responses. He's able to teach on this because he's been through this. And so when we find ourselves suffering for our faith, when you're trying to do good and you're just getting opposition to doing the right thing, if you want that blessing to flow out of that suffering, these are the right responses. So here's what we see in these verses. First thing is don't fear the threats. Don't fear the threats. So the end of verse 14, Peter is actually quoting from Isaiah 8, 12. And in the context of that Isaiah passage, the prophet is urging King Ahaz to trust God. There's enemies coming in, and Ahaz is all, getting all frightened about this, and he says, don't worry. God's got this. Trust him. And so Peter pulls in those words from Isaiah 8, and he says, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. So when whatever that enemy is comes against you, don't be afraid. When you're attacked of it in any way, the typical response is to fear. That's why he has to say, don't fear, because that's what we typically do, right? And, and when we're afraid, then we can, the, the temptation is to stop doing the good that we were doing. So like, if, if I'm going to get attacked for doing this, well, I'm just going to stop doing this. But if it's what God's called you to do, if it's the right thing to do, then Peter is saying, well, don't fear and don't stop. Don't be afraid because God is going to work through your obedience. It's great that we could focus on our missions moment today on Casa de Abbey and Michael and Karen Vincent and their work with these precious girls in their home there. Let me tell you a story that they shared with me last year about one of their girls. She came to them two years ago at just four years old. And this little girl, like most of the girls who come into their home, came out of an, an abusive situation. And she had learned to respond to that abuse in her own home with anger, with rage. And that started coming out as soon as she came to Casa de Abbey. When she, an emotion would come that she didn't know how to handle, or she didn't get her way in something, or sometimes for no apparent reason at all, she would just burst into these raging fits. And so she would begin swearing. Yes, the four-year-old began swearing. She began kicking. She began destroying things around her. And when that would happen, Karen Vincent would take her in her arms, take her off to the side in a rocking chair, just begin to rock, begin to talk softly to her, begin to pray over her, and she would be kicking, screaming, 
She would just keep rocking, sometimes for hours, until she'd finally calm down. I asked Michael if I could share the story, and I asked him, well, how's she doing now? Two years later, those fits are very, very rare. And when they come, they only last for a few minutes. The continual love on her has made a difference. Now, I don't know about you, but if, as a parent or working in a home like Casa de Abbey, if, if I had a response like that from a four-year-old, like, I, don't even, I don't even know what to do. It, the, the tendency would be to just kind of be afraid of that and step back from that. And They entered in. They were not afraid. They loved on here. They continued doing the right thing and loving her. And God used that to make a difference in that little girl's life. And that's what Peter is saying, saying when, when trouble comes, when the suffering comes, don't be afraid, don't give up, don't stop doing the right thing. Next thing he says is revere Christ as Lord. Verse 15. Some versions here say set apart Christ as Lord. What does Peter mean by that? Well, this is the submission theme. We've been talking about this for, this is now four weeks, this continuation of this theme of submission, right? And so Peter is saying here, when he says, revere Christ as Lord, he's saying, submit to him as your master, as your Lord. When, when trouble comes, remember who your Lord is and worship him, respond to him. Put his will first in your life. I worked my way through Dallas Seminary in part by cleaning swimming pools. It was a flexible schedule. I could work that around my classes and so on. And so I was hired by a company, and, and they trained me, and they wrote my paycheck. But I soon learned that I needed to revere the homeowners as Lord. <laughs> because in doing private swimming pools, they were really the ones I was working for. They were the ones that needed to be pleased with my work. They were really the ones that I was working for. And Peter's reminded us, hey, remember, remember who you're working for. Remember who you serve. Remember who your Lord is. So when you're tempted to quit, to bail out, or to, to stop doing the right thing, honor Christ, revere Christ as Lord in your life. How do we do that? Well, it leads to the third principle. Be prepared to give an answer. Continues in verse 15, the passage we read already. Always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, this familiar verse can be a problem to us because we tend to think that it means that we need to have all the answers for any question that somebody might raise about the gospel. It's like, well, I can't answer every question. I don't know everything in the Bible, so, so I better keep my mouth shut. And, and so we do, we stay quiet because we think we have to have every answer. But that's not what Peter says here. That's, that's not what he's calling us to. So yes, it is good to know, it's good to study, it's good to be aware of some of the common objections to Christianity and be ready to answer that. It's good to know our Bibles well so that we can show somebody what the gospel is and what the Bible says. But what Peter is telling us here, he said, be, re be ready to give the reason for your hope. If you have experienced the love of Jesus Christ in your life, if you have hope for your eternity, 
then you have what you need to share. He's saying be ready to tell other people why you have that hope, what you're living for. That's our answer. So Peter is telling us here, he's not advising us to go on the attack. He's not saying go after people. He's not saying you need to get defensive about your faith. He's saying give an answer to those who ask. And this could come in a casual conversation with somebody. It could come even when you're under attack from something. If it's a combative situation, it's still the answer the same. Give the reason for your hope. Don't fear, but share. I like the statement I found from the late Pastor Warren Wearsby. He says this, A crisis creates the opportunity for witness when a believer behaves with faith and hope, because the unbelievers will then sit up and take notice. When we behave, live out our faith and our hope, it shows other people, and especially when we do it in a crisis. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, trying to kind of remind ourselves throughout this, these last months, that in the midst of this COVID crisis, there are a lot of people in our world and in your world who are anxious, angry, upset, hopeless, discouraged. We have an answer. We have an answer for that. You have a hope. You have a joy. If you know Jesus Christ, you have a peace in your life that goes beyond anything that's happening in our world. And we need to be ready to give that answer that's so totally diametrically opposed to the world's answer. And by the way, if you want a biblical view of what the gospel is, how to respond to somebody's questions about God and, and mankind's condition and what Jesus did and, and what salvation is, then we have provided that. Remember two years ago, if you've been here at Trinity long enough, we went through what we call D101, Discipleship 101. We taught it in a number of different formats, and, and we took those lessons that Jason taught, and we put them online now, the recordings of those lessons. They're right on our website. If you missed that, if you, haven't, if you need a refresher on that, go back to that, because it walks through the key biblical passages on how to explain the gospel. Peter's saying, be ready. And so he gives instruction now on saying, not, it's not just giving an answer, but it's the way you give the answer, okay? So the end of verse 15, he says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So the fourth and final directive here on our response to undeserved suffering is keep your conscience clear. Keep your conscience clear. And you do that by having the right attitude in your response. And it's right in line with what we've been talking about last week. Remember Peter was telling us to repay evil with good, to repay insult with blessing. And he's saying, if someone attacks your faith, explain what you believe, but do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. Don't let the enemy draw you into the fight so that you're combative and, and you end up attacking somebody else in response. 
He says, that's not the attitude we need. That's not going to reflect the Lord Jesus in our answer. Keep your attitude right. Keep your conscience clear. And it's interesting that Peter even uses this idea of conscience because the conscience is our sense of right and wrong. It's that sense of right and wrong. So it's like that, that inner voice that tells you, it affirms you when you do the right thing. So it's like, good job, Jeff. You answered really well there. That was the right thing to do. Just in the back of my head, just kind of, yeah, that was right. That was good. But then the conscience is also that one that when you mess up, when you do get it wrong, the conscience reminds you of that and accuses you of that. So it's, hey, Jeff, you shouldn't have answered that way. Wrong thing to do. You shouldn't have responded that. It's the conscience tells you. You got it right. You got it wrong. It's that understanding of right and wrong. But what we also know from the Bible is that, is that sin has messed, our, messed up our conscience. Because of the sin nature, we don't naturally know right and wrong the way we should, the way God presents it, the way the Bible presents it. When we come to faith in Christ, that's the work of the Holy Spirit on us. That's the work of the Word of God on us to reform that broken conscience so that we know right and wrong biblically. The conscience, a clear conscience then, doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean being sinless or guilt-free. It means that the conscience is working, telling us when we're right, telling us when we're wrong, having a biblical perspective on what's going on in our lives. And, and we need to be careful of this and make that distinction because it's easy to let our own opinions take the place of the, of the conscience. And so what I think is right, what I think is wrong, and now that, that, that's above everything else. Just because it's my idea, my opinion, doesn't make it right. Is it what God says? Is it right? Is it wrong? In his eyes, a clear conscience stands on the word of God. It helps us to stand for what is right. It helps us to stand against what's wrong. On April 18th, 1521, 1521, we're going back a ways here, Martin Luther stood before a church council to defend his writings and his teachings and the statements they had been making about abuses in the established church. And this was really a trial. He was on trial for what he was teaching and preaching, what he believed. And this was a critical moment because although he'd been putting it out there publicly, this time he was on trial for what he was saying. And when it came to the, the final moment there, he was given the opportunity to recant, to, to give up what he had been teaching, preaching, and saying, and basically told, if you'll recant, you know, we'll go easy on you. And he knew if he didn't recant, if he stood by what he believed God's word said and what he'd been teaching, he would likely be branded a heretic and could very well lose his life. In that crucial moment, when he had to choose, Martin Luther said these words. He finished his defense. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. He took his stand. His conscience was clear because he stood by what was right 
according to God's word, even if it brought on suffering to him, even if it cost him his life. And his defense on that day sparked the Reformation. And those words that he spoke are now inscribed on a monument in the very town where that trial took place. Now, that may never happen to you that way. You may never have to defend your faith and your life is hanging in the balance because of it. But your gentle, respectful, conscientious reasoning of your faith to other people, that's just as important as what Luther did. Choosing what is right, standing on what is right, and continuing to do it, that's just as important as what Luther did. So here's our description of how to respond. When we're suffering for doing the right thing and you find yourself in a position, don't fear the threats. Revere Christ as Lord. Be prepared to give an answer and keep your conscience clear. These are the instructions. These are the directives that Peter gives us in this passage. And he wraps up this idea in verse 17 by saying, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. See, sometimes we do. We suffer for doing the wrong thing. And we need that suffering in our lives too. We need the discipline of God because there's a lesson in that. But Peter's saying it's, it's so much better if you do the right thing, if you suffer for that, there's good that comes out of that. There's blessing that comes out of that. And sometimes he's saying it's God's will. It's God's will that you suffer for doing the right thing. Sometimes God allows us to go through difficulties even when we're obeying him. And that kind of suffering, Peter is saying to us, that's even better. That's good. Why? Because it's an honor. It's an honor to suffer for the sake of Christ. And he will bless that. He can use that. In fact, he may even bring others to faith because of that. I want to close with a story about uh, a guy in my neighborhood, uh, Someone else, another, another man and I, a few weeks ago, decided to start a men's group in our neighborhood. And just once a week, a morning a week, for any guys that wanted to come, just get to know each other and so on. And um, we live all the way down in Macedonia, so it's, it's not any Trinity people, just, just men from our street. And so what we've done is had each one, each week, one person just kind of shares their life story, just so we can get to know each other, kind of what the journey has been. And so this last Thursday morning when we met, one of the guys shared his life story, and he, he told us that when he was in his mid-30s is when he met Jesus Christ, when he gave his life to Christ. And when he did, he said, right in the middle of that, he was involved in, in work and business that was, included a lot of unethical practices. I won't give you all the detail, but it was not, it was not doing the right thing. Because at that point, his whole life was just bent on making as much as he could, being as successful in business as he possibly could. That was what drove him. And so he was willing to do whatever it took to get there. And so when he came to Christ, he realized, I can't keep doing these things. This is not right. But he also knew if he stopped those practices, he would lose business. And it could go very bad. But he made the right choice. And sure enough, those business opportunities began to fall off and fall off and fall off until he almost lost his business completely. <clears throat> In the midst of that, 
he said God gave him a, an idea. It was almost like a, a dream in the night. He just kind of woke up with this idea. And he went in and began sketching it out for a new product. And his business ended up being completely centered on that one product. It was so successful. Not only did he regain all the business that he'd lost, his business was much more productive than he could, it could have ever have been any other way. God blessed that. But he also said, but it was also a turning point for him because he, he knew that his work, his business, his life, everything now was dedicated to God. So he has, in his years of his life and work, he's gone on dozens, maybe scores of mission trips. And he gives his testimony. He shares his faith anytime he has the opportunity. Anytime someone asks or gives them an opportunity to share his faith like, like we did at that morning group, he tells people about his Jesus. He's 82 years old now, and he's still giving the answer for the hope that he has. This is our calling, folks. This is, this is what God has placed before us, to be ready to give an answer, even when it's hard, even when it may bring opposition, accusation, even when we may lose things. And I don't know how it will happen to you. I don't know what it might look like for you. There's a lot of different possible scenarios just sitting here right, in, right within this, own, this room right here. Maybe it'll be a friend who snubs you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe it'll be a family member who ridicules you because of your convictions. Maybe it'll be a coworker who laughs at you because you're so religious. Maybe it'll be a teacher or professor who will mock you because of your faith. Maybe it'll even be a spouse who rejects you because you put your commitment and your faith in Jesus Christ. However or whenever that attack comes to you, be ready. Be ready to stand without fear. Be ready to speak up for your Lord. Be ready to give an answer for your hope. Be ready to do it all with a clear conscience, with the right attitude. We're going to see next week, as I said, how Jesus responded to unjust suffering. If anybody ever suffered unjustly, it was Jesus who did no wrong and suffered the worst, the worst kind of persecution. Yet he was submissive to the Father. He obeyed. He stayed continued to obey. He endured that undeserved suffering. And because of that, because of his submission, now all of creation is in submission, subject, subjection to him. The Father has honored him, glorified him because of his submission. And so that's the question we're left with as we close this morning is, are we in subjection and submission to him? Are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to give everything for him, live for him? Have you surrendered all to the one who gave his all for you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the challenge that Peter gives us to respond in this way to 
to continue doing what is right, even if we suffer for doing what is right, to continue trusting you, continue speaking for you, continue with respect and honor and grace, even when dirt gets flung in our faces. Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to be able to respond that way, to be ready with those answers, to be ready to share the hope that we have. And Lord, we know that, that the only way we can do that is if we are completely submission, in submission to you, if we are completely surrendered to you. So I pray, Lord, this morning, you just remind us of that, just draw us back to that. Help us look deep in our hearts and help us to consider if if there's anything that's standing in the way of our complete and total commitment to you, then Lord, I pray that you take it away, take it out. Remove that so that we can be effective for your sake, for your glory. Lord, we want that blessing of being worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.